Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Whitney Nicely. Whitney, how are you? I'm fantastic today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. I appreciate the high energy. I appreciate uh, the excitement that you bring with everything you do. And I love the pink shirt. You got the pink chair in the background. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also see the pink mirror. Man, I love it. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. We got pink everywhere. Over there, I've got pink couches, pink carpet. I got a pink (laughs) queen chair. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, we're, we're definitely gonna have some fun today. We're going to talk about creativity and real estate. We're going to talk about problem solving. We're going to talk about uh, really women in real estate, which is uh, a unique approach that we're going to be talking here today. So I know Whitley, Whitney is going to be uh, really our, our expert in so many different ways. So I'm excited about our conversation today. And I'm excited to welcome back Elevate Nation because it's time to take it to another level. And I have no doubt we're going to do that today. I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And the reason why we say real estate and beyond is because real estate is that vehicle that can create whatever you want in your life. And if you commit to investing yourself, if you commit to your own personal growth, combining those two really sort of vehicles, you can do anything in your life. And so I'm really excited about diving into this today and we're going to talk about habits. You know, we're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about strategies, tactics, routines, uh, really from Whitney, who's doing big things. Uh, so we can all do the same for ourselves. And this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And if you appreciate what we're doing, we would certainly be grateful if you subscribe to the show, if you gave us a rating, a five-star rating would be amazing. If you're so inclined, of course, uh, a review as well helps. What are you taking away from the show? What are you applying to your own life? What are you applying to your business and taking massive action on now? And what can you do to give us some feedback there? So we'd certainly appreciate that. And with that said, I want to go ahead and introduce you to Whitney Nicely, who is an expert property investor, speaker, and real estate coach. Today, she's called the queen of real estate investing in East Tennessee, but that's not how she started. And she's got, let me just tell you, there's a lot to tell here and I'm going to go into some of it and she's going to tell us a lot more. But before quitting her nine to five, Whitney scraped by on $24,000 a year working a desk job and living on her parents' couch. That was in 2013. And now she owns more than 1.5 million in real estate assets. And so We've got really a lot more to go in that, but uh, Whitney, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself behind the bio. So thank you so much. That was fantastic. One thing that we left out in that bio is I was working at my mom's dump truck company and I was making 500 bucks a week, two grand a month, 12 months a year, 24 grand. And if I sold dump trucks, if I sold dirty old dump trucks to dirty old men, I'd make an extra $500 every time I sold one. And so that was awesome. But that's where I really learned how to practice selling and negotiating and making sure that everybody got a good deal. And 
it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. And I'm also really proud to say, I love what you said earlier about real estate is just a vehicle to get you to whatever else you want to do. So I left trucking. I left my mom's company. I basically just like peaced out and broke her heart because her whole life she's been the third generation running this company. I was supposed to be the fourth generation taking over this company, but my heart wasn't in it. I wanted to get into real estate investing. I wanted to help more women. I wanted to get out of the office and, you know, a nine to five, when you work for the family business, that's like a nine to nine or whenever your eyes are open or whenever somebody needs you, they will get you out of bed or like, it's not a nine to five, but yeah. it's, you know, supposed to be right. Two years ago, I was actually able to buy my own dump truck and start my own dump truck company because of what real estate has been able to give me. And two weeks ago, I got certified through the state of Tennessee to be a disadvantaged business enterprise to get government jobs for my dump truck company. So like I've got nine companies that I'm running and if it hadn't been for real estate, I wouldn't have had the wings to leave my mom's family dump truck company. And if it wasn't for real estate, I wouldn't have had the money to be able to start my dump truck company and help other women achieve their dreams too. So real estate can really give you whatever it is that you want in life. You just got to go for it. So what, how did you know that real estate was the next avenue for you? And how did you, was that just inherent? Did you have a background? Did you know somebody else who was in it? What was the, what was my the mom process? has always been a real estate investor. She bought a house, married my dad. They had me and then had my brother. And so they bought another house, but they didn't sell the first house, right? They just rented it. And a lot of landlords get into real estate investing that way. They just keep the old house that they outgrew and then they just keep growing and growing and growing. And that's kind of how my mom did it. So I started working at the family company in 07 and during 08, 09, the crash happened. They were repoing our equipment. We had to lay off all of our drivers. I was forgoing my checks so that our drivers would have cash. And like, I saw this crap hitting the fan and then one day I'm sitting in there and we're all, you know, like head down. What are we going to do? This is a disaster. I've, you know, went to college for what? And everything's falling apart. But my mom was making these deposits with all this money. And I was like, where did you get all this money? What is going on here? And she was like, well, you know, we've got our rental houses. And I was like, Yeah. And she said, well, those people pay me every month and I get monthly money and that's how we make the ends meet when things are tight. And I was like, well, how do I get monthly money? And she said, you got to go buy houses. And I was like, you going to tell me anything else? Is that it? She's like, no, I figured it out. Go figure it out. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Good chat, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so Thanks, mom. I went out and I went to an auction a couple months later, a couple years later, actually, because uh, I was in 09 and in December of 13, I was at a real estate auction on a Saturday morning and they were selling land for $1,000. And I thought, well, I've got a thousand bucks. So I raised my hand. I bought 1.07 acres of a developed subdivision. The woman that had bought it before me paid $69,000 and quit making her payments to the bank. So the bank foreclosed on an empty piece of land and I picked it up for 1200 bucks and boom, I was a real estate investor. Wow. And six months later, I picked up a half acre piece of industrial land at another real estate auction. This was online. Anybody in the world could have picked up this deal, but I got it for $1,500. I started renting the driveway for $250 a month. I started renting the land for $500 a month. 
But when I rented the driveway, I also said, okay, but I've had this for like six months. Will you pay me back rent for all the time that I've had it? And my neighbor is a Fortune 500 company and they needed the driveway to get to the back of their lot. And they were like, yeah, we'll send you 1500 bucks. So I got my entire investment back in six months. I was making money. They agreed to pay my taxes on it. They agreed to maintain the driveway and I was in. And, you know, I had two big wins right there in a row and I'm in my 20s. And so I thought I'd figured out life. And I thought, <laughs> well, great. I'm so good at land. I'll just get into houses now. So I, I bought a house at an auction like my mom had always bought houses at auction. I rented it for $800 a month. And then I found another house that was for sale by owner. And I thought, well, I'm so good at doing all this. I'll just negotiate this for sale by owner house. So I spent my life savings buying that house at auction. We put about $40,000 into it. And before I closed on, I brought my brother into my real estate investing situation, spent his life savings on the second house we bought. We paid $25,000 for it. And I got to closing and the seller's laughed me out of the closing room and said, we're so glad you bought this house. Nobody offered us nearly as much money. And I thought, Oh, I've screwed up. Yikes. Maybe I don't know everything. So I learned very quickly that there are formulas in real estate investing. And when you make cash offers, you need to have a clue what you're doing because every house isn't worth $25,000, especially if it's never had heat and air. It's never had AC. If it's got the old tube and wire, electric in it you're gonna have to replace all that if it's got wrought iron pipes or not wrought iron but if it's got the cast iron cast pipes iron. Yeah. you're gonna have to replace those it took us 18 months to fix and flip that second house that we bought because we'd have to go to work buy materials go to work pay somebody to put it in and it took 18 months and then we had to pray nobody stole our stuff while we were waiting to install it are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year. Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be and really, you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on this show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. Yeah. Well, speaking of formulas, I mean, your, your first couple of deals were amazing because it was infinite return. It was like, you got your money back and then you're getting paid on a monthly lease, whatever it was on the land. And I mean, that was, that was awesome. So you're talking about some amazing numbers. Maybe it was just beginner's luck. And then you stumbled on your first failure and you started to recognize perhaps the return on investment did not make sense. Uh, but was it worth the process? Was it worth the learning, the hard knocks, the school, the hard knocks at that time? It was totally worth it because I went broke trying to get rich in real estate. Mm. And if I'd had endless money, I would have never figured out how to do creative financing. When I was buying these houses, I was spending cash. I was buying land and I ran out of money. And when I learned about formulas and I learned about return on investment and cash flow and all these things that I was supposed to know because I was raised by an investor, Come it was going to take me like 115 years 
to make enough money to leave my job. And I was in my twenties, but I still didn't have that much time. Okay. So it's really important that you learn some stuff and that you have to get in this situation where you have to be creative. Otherwise it's, you know, it's like playing on easy. All right. Let's talk about creativity because um, I think you would agree with me when I say that a lot of times being a real estate investor is about solving problems, right? It's, it's all it's, about solving problems. All we do all day long is solve problems. Yeah. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, it's all about problems and there's a lot of problems in real estate. So let's just talk about creativity because there's always a solution at the same time. And I know that you're all about, you, you just even mentioned it, creative financing and just structuring deals. So talk to me about some problems that you've encountered as an investor acquiring deals and what sort of structures are you familiar with and what do you, what do you teach your students? The first time that I got into a creative financing situation, first I, I joined the local Noxria and I thought, okay, there's real estate investors. I clearly don't know everything. I've got a real estate license. I got an auctioneer's license. I get a general contractor's license, but I don't know what I'm doing, obviously. And my mom's obviously not going to help me either. So I'm going to join the real estate investors association and maybe they'll have some answers. Well, the first night I went, they were pitching a two night creative financing seminar held by a local guy who was doing these deals, but it was $75. And I told the president of the Noxria at the time, I was like, look, man, I have these two houses. I've got this land. I don't have $75 to give you to learn about creative financing. And he said, Whitney, I want you to be at these events and I'll make you a money back guarantee. If you come and don't learn anything, I'll give you your $75 back. And I thought, all right, old man, I can handle that. <laughs> so I got to these meetings and within 15 minutes, the guy presenting showed us how he was making like $100,000 a year with no money, nobody checking his credit, no banks. He was just doing creative financing deals. And he mentioned that he was going to a boot camp, a guru seminar, like in a, a couple weeks in Florida. And I found out who it was, where it was. And I spent the rest of that night, I only went to the first night, put $3,000 on my credit card and I booked a room and I took off to Florida three weeks later to figure out what I was supposed to know. And from there, I bought a $15,000 coaching package. And I mean, I was just off. I was going to figure it out. So by February, I was sitting in a seller's kitchen. And these sellers, God bless their hearts, they took a chance on me. And I was new. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I told them, though, y'all have a problem and I can solve it. I was like, um, uh, the vanilla ice guy, like, if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Yeah. So these people bought this house like less than a year ago at the time. And they said it was their retirement home. It was perfect. They were going to grow old in it until their daughter came home and she was pregnant and the house wasn't big enough for four people. And they were under a life situation and a time crunch that they couldn't do squat about. They needed a new place and they needed it fast before she was popped popping, you know? And so I said, all right, cool. Y'all make the payments on this for the next three months and then I'll take it over from there and I'll take five years. I'll pay you off. It'll be fine. I'll take care of any repairs or anything that needs to be done. And I was basically negotiating a lease option, even though I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but they still had a mortgage. So I was saying, I'll help you. It's fine. They said, okay. So I was buying their house for $122,000. I was going to pay 
a thousand dollars a month starting in June and I wasn't going to give them anything because they had to move whether I gave them anything or not. So this was the last day of February. By March 15th, I had a seller call me from Chicago and they said, hey, we want to buy that house, but we saw it for 135 and now it's on Zillow for 145. What happened? And I said, oh, I bought it. And they were like, well, can we buy it from you? And I said, yes, that'd be great. Come on down. We'll see it. I set up this open house. I had like seven people that were going to come look at it. The only people that showed up was that couple from Chicago. And they said, perfect, we'll take it. And I was like, okay, th- uh, now what do I do? But I had a coach, so I had somebody to lean on through this. And I said, when do you want to buy it? And they were like, well, we've got this house in Chicago. We put it on the market. We think it'll sell fast. And because I'm 20 and I know it all, or 27, 28, however old I was, I knew everything. And I knew that when you put a house on the market, sometimes it didn't just sell. And sometimes it took a year or two to sell. And I didn't know these people. And so I said, well, what if it takes a while to sell? And they said, we want to move down now. We'll rent this house from you starting in March today. And we'll pay you $1,200 a month. And you can wait with us to sell the house. And I said, well, if it takes a year, I can do that. If it takes less, that's fine. But we got to get it done in a year. And they're like, oh, it's no problem. It'll be fine. So they basically said, we want to do a lease option from you on this house, which was perfect because that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to tell them. Yeah. I said, well, do you want to pay me like three months in advance and then you can make your first payment in June or, you know, whatever. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So I've literally known these people for 30 minutes. They gave me a $3,000 check. We signed a contract. Now I'm leaving this house 15 days later. I've got a contract with my seller. I've got a contract with my buyer, but I don't have an attorney. So I spend the next like week or two going to all the attorneys in Knoxville and saying, I got this deal. I need somebody to close it. Can somebody help me? And they were like, no, you don't have a deal. No, that's not going to work. No, that's not how we do real estate here. No, 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 no. Like I got my self excused and kicked out of a lot of attorney's offices in about two weeks. And then my buyers called me one day and they were like, hey, we're moving everything down this weekend, but it turns out we've sold our house and we're going to be closing on it the 1st of May. And we're going to buy it from you the middle of May. And I was like, yeah, right. And they're like, no, 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 it's going to happen. And I was like, okay. So then I got another contract signed by them that said that they were just going to buy it instead of doing the lease option on it. And then I was going back to the attorneys and saying, okay, the deal changed. Now I need somebody to close this. It's a regular closing. And they were still saying, no, 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 it's not going to happen. I had my second interview with one of the attorneys and he finally said, okay, fine. I can see that you're persistent. You don't have a clue what you're doing, but I'm going to help you. And I said, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Because by this point I had two other houses under contract. Oh my God. I I didn't want to tell anybody because I couldn't get anybody to help me. So, I closed that first one and I made $15,000 in eight weeks, got my whole investment back on my coach. Two weeks later, I closed another one of those deals, made $5,000. So six months from the time I got started and invested that first $75, then put $3,000 on a credit card, borrowed 15 grand from my boyfriend. Like I was going to make this happen. 
Six months later, I had all my money back in my pocket and I had my coach for another five or six months. We went on to do like 14 deals in 2014. I made $136,000. I didn't 10X my investment, but I got really darn close. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and it, it all goes back to you started to understand that it was all about solving the problem of the owner or the seller, whatever it may be. And, you know, there's different situations that lended themselves for different creative structures, right? Was the structure always sort of the same or what? I mean, give me some examples of some other structures that you put together that first year. I really leaned on lease options a lot in the first year because subject to deals, when you take over somebody's mortgage subject to the mortgage staying in their name, it scared the crap out of me because I was, I was afraid the bank would call the note due. They would enact the due on sale clause. And then what am I going to do? Cause I don't have 122 grand sitting around. I don't have, you know, this money, what am I going to do? So I was really leaning on lease options. And honestly, that first year I assigned those lease options back to the seller. I would be in the middle, I'd get the deal set up and then I would give it back. I'd make 5,000, 18,000, made $40,000 one time on an assignment fee, but I wasn't keeping any deals. I wasn't staying in the middle of any of them because I still, I wasn't ready to take on that responsibility. And then I had a buyer tell me, he gave me $18,000 as an assignment fee. The mortgage on the pay on the house that I had agreed to with the seller was about a thousand dollars, but he was agreeing to pay me $1,500 a month. And he told me when we were signing the contract, he was like, Whitney, I think you're losing money here. And I was like, dude, I'm making $18,000. I used to make this in a year pretty much, right? Like this is fine. 18,000 is plenty of money. And he was like, I think this $1,500 is more than what they're paying. I think you could make monthly money too. And if you were making three, four, $500 a month and you did 10 of these deals, that'd be $5,000 a month coming into your account and you wouldn't have to make those assignment fees anymore. I mean, my jaw hit the floor. Like, I needed somebody to give me permission to make more money. Hmm. I needed somebody to say, it's okay for you to stay in the middle of these deals and make money off of me for years and years and years. I needed somebody's permission to say, you're ready. You should stay in this. And I was solving a problem for that seller because that seller was a house in Gatlinburg, which is a huge tourist destination. And the seller lived in Florida. She hadn't seen this house in like three or four years, but she had somebody that was supposed to be keeping an eye on it. And they didn't winterize the house. And it gets cold in Gatlinburg sometimes. The pipes froze and bust. And then when things got warm, there was just water going all over the place. It ruined her house. I mean, from the top to the bottom, ruined the house. Well, she never came up to see it. She was in Florida. So she just hired a contractor, local dude, sent him 100 grand, said, fix my house. And you know. We know how that goes. He didn't fix it. He fixed it a little bit here and there, but he didn't fix it a hundred thousand dollars worth. And she didn't, she had a bad taste in her mouth for it and she just wanted to be done with it. So I helped her by finding somebody that was going to take over her payments, sent her extra money every month. And unfortunately Gatlinburg had a fire about two years later and my, my buyer was due to close in December and the fire went up and burned up the house and most of Gatlinburg at the end of November. But the seller and the buyer worked out a deal where he just bought the land from her. She got an insurance settlement. So it's all about problem solving and everybody has a different problem, but really 
they're all the same. People have life that happens and they just don't want to deal with it anymore. It all boils yeah. down to that. And now, you know, I teach the ladies in first build done fast. I help women get their first build done fast. I teach them that there's four types of sellers. There are past sellers and you could have helped those people in the past, but we can't go back to the past. Okay. It's kind of like Scrooge. He had, you know, past events that happened. We all have people that we could have helped, but we didn't know back then. All right. I don't like the F word foreclosure. That's somebody I could have helped in the past, but now I can't deal with you. It's too much paperwork. It's too much red tape. It's too much energy. I ain't doing it. Okay. So those are past sellers. And then there's present sellers. These are people that need you now. This woman in Florida with the house that had been water damaged, she needed me now, right now. The people that had bought their retirement home and then their daughter came home pregnant, they needed me now. Right now, they need me. And all day, every day, you can talk to past sellers or you can talk to present sellers. Well, I prefer present sellers, people that need me now. Because there's also future sellers. There's people that are tired landlords, but they're just kind of annoyed right now. But in the future, they're going to hate this rental house. You can go ahead and be talking to them. You can go ahead and send them letters. They'll call you back when they're present sellers. And then the fourth type of seller is a never seller. These people are happy. They love their life. They love landlording. They want to be a great landlord. These are people that are professional wholesalers. They are professional landlords. They just are never, ever going to deal with it. They're in this for generational wealth so they can pass it on to their kids. Like they are never, ever, ever going to deal with you. And you've seen the movie. He's just not that into you. Ladies, listen, sometimes it's never going to happen. <laughs> Leave them alone. Forget about them. Deal with present sellers. Focus on future sellers until they become present sellers. Those are the only two sellers that you need. How do you, how do you pick out a present seller versus a never seller or a future seller? I mean, tell me about that. How do you identify? It's in the conversation that you have with them. And we have a seller lead sheet that we follow. It's, it's not a script because I want you to make it yours, but I want to get this question across. How would you say this? But you say, you know, why are you selling? And then this is the really hard part. And listen, all right, Tyler, you may not believe this, but it's really hard for women to shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's like terrible. I would never say that. I, I said it. I can say it. All right. You can say it for sure. I said it. All right. <laughs> it's really hard to shut up. But when you're talking to sellers, you need to ask a question and shut your mouth. Yes. It's awkward. Let them talk. It's uncomfortable. But ladies, listen, you have two ears and you need to hear what they say. And then you need to ask another question to dig deeper. They're going to tell you an answer and it's the rehearsed answer that they give you but there's more behind it. Mm -hmm. Listen intently, ask more questions. That's one of the most valuable skills I think as far as negotiating goes, but then also it's fact finding, understanding motivation is so important. If you don't understand motivation, you're not going to be able to put together a deal because it's not all just black and white. Here's my price and we're going to close, you know, next week or whatever. It's not always that simple. But the beautiful thing about real estate is there's so many formulas. You know, they can carry financing if it makes sense. You can do a lease option. You can masterly. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. Um, this is one of the things I'm super passionate about, like the uh, Society of Exchange Counselors and, 
and I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, the Kentucky real estate exchangers. I mean, there's exchanger groups all over the country. I mean, you can exchange one property for another property. It doesn't just have to be an exchange of dollars or I'm going to go and get a mortgage or whatever it may be. So open your mind to the possibilities. And that's exactly what Whitney's talking about here. She's shaking her head. Like I'm, I'm like the gospel over here. I love it. That's what I like. <laughs> and you've got to have those relationships. You got to learn how to talk to people on the phone. You got to let them answer, but you also have to let them into your story because as a new investor, you probably don't have this network built up of people that you can call on and barter back and forth and stuff. And so it's you and a seller trying to figure it out together. They got a problem. You can solve it, but you got to really dig down and find out what the real problem is because sometimes it, it, it's not about the house. In fact, I think most of the time has nothing to do with the house. They're worried about their kid's college. They're worried about what's happening to mom. They're worried about redoing their kitchen. It's not about this actual house. Yeah, so true. Have you ever uh, heard of the story with the red paperclip, Whitney? Where you traded up to a house? Yes. I just think it's so fascinating because, you know, the guy went along this process. And I think actually the listeners can look this up on YouTube. The guy literally started with a red paperclip and he was able to trade his way up to an actual house. And what he did was help solve problems along the way. He found out that there was someone else who valued a paperclip more than whatever it was that he bartered for. And just understanding that concept and getting out of your own head and into the mind of someone else and asking questions and being caring and understanding that you can actually help them solve a problem, which can also be mutually beneficial. It doesn't have to just be, it actually should never be just one-sided. You should never take advantage of somebody. You should go out and help solve their problem. But I love it. And uh, one of the things that I love about what you do, Whitney, is that you are speaking to women in real estate. And we talked about that earlier. Um, what, what would you say is the reason why maybe more women haven't gotten into real estate to this point? Um, is there any, any thoughts you have there? Yeah, they're busy. Women have 18,000 different jobs and responsibilities and roles, and they keep putting it off and putting everybody else in front of them. And then eventually they say, wait a second. I'm 55 years old and I forgot to buy all those rental houses. How am I supposed to retire in 10 years? I, I got to catch up. And I help a lot of ladies like that, or I help women that are in their twenties that are saying, you know, I really want to be a stay at home mom. I need to figure out how to get 10 grand a month coming in so that I can contribute. I can be self-sufficient, but I can also mom. And yeah. a lot of women put everybody else ahead of them and they stay busy being busy and they forget that they're gonna grow old and either have to move back in with their kids or move into a 10 by 10 concrete block room and let the government take care of them. Like, that's the choice. That's I huge. work with a lot of women uh, who are unfortunately divorced, but you know, 50% of the population is divorced. And a lot of the ladies I talked to had a husband who would hang money in front of them and they'd have to earn it. You know, and even after they're divorced, they'd have to fight for their alimony, fight for their child support. And they're saying, I don't want to have to depend on a man. I can make my own money and tell him to go F off. That's fine too. Like whatever reason you want to get into real estate is fine with me. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. And I think putting yourself first, it's almost like, and I, I talk about this so much is, um, you know, if you think about it, if you're on a plane, what they tell you to do is if the plane's going down, you put that over your face first. 
And that's why I'm so passionate and why our community is so passionate about personal growth and investing in yourself, whether you're a man, a female, you know, whatever it may be, you know, you've got to pour into your own cup before you can fill up someone else's. And I know that's true. And in the long term, you know, if you don't put yourself first now, it's only going to perpetuate for many more years. And then you're going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have. So maybe this is a calling for the listener now, whether you're a, you know, a, a, a guy or a girl, you know what, start now, start today, right? So what, what's the best way to start? I think the best way to start is to start building friends in real estate investing. Start looking for other people that you can lean on because if you're jumping from nursing or teaching into real estate investing, that's going to be a different vocabulary. It's going to be a different mindset. It's going to be a different hustle. It's going to be different and you're going to need new friends. You know, keep your old friends. They're fine, but they may not come into real estate investing with you and you need somebody to bounce ideas off of. You need somebody to bounce deals off of and start finding friends, find free groups, subscribe to this podcast and keep learning and investing in yourself so that you can keep growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. If the plant stops growing outside, it starts dying. And you and your brain are the exact same way. We numb ourselves into thinking, oh, it's too hard. Oh, it's too late. Oh, I'll just watch Netflix again. Oh, I had a tough day. Really? Is that the best you got? Because I think you're tougher than what you're letting on to. And you got to go through that. You got to grow through that and you got to keep growing through it. It gets tough out here and real estate's not easy. It's risky. But you know, Taco Bell is also risky. So like choose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything. I think that's a better, you know, we all understand now more than ever how risky, you know, not investing in yourself can be or not taking chances. I think it's more risky to not take risks. It's more risky to keep your head in the sand and keep your blinders on and say, no, 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 than it is to say, all right, fine. There's something out here that I need to know. And as adults, we have a lot of pride in saying that we're big and bad and we know everything. We've got children depending on us. Like, these kids don't know anything. You know what? Honestly, I don't know that much either in the grand scheme of things. And so you got to keep learning. You got to keep reading. You got to keep checking out YouTube videos and subscribing. And yes, you've got to keep growing. Yeah. And, and having some humility along the way, right? That recognizing that you don't know everything and you're never going to know everything. I don't know about you, but the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know. I don't and know squat about squat. I know. So we, we have to surround ourselves with each other. We have to have these type of conversations. We have to listen to these type of conversations. We have to invest in ourselves. And you mentioned a few things there that, man, you're speaking my language like big time is if you're not growing, you're dying. So I'd love to know, how are you growing as an individual? How are you investing yourself now? I'm in two different masterminds right now. One on marketing and reaching more people. And honestly, I told you about the Knox Rhea earlier because in October of this year, I bought the Knox Rhea. I'm the president of the Knox Rhea now. And so I'm the one giving back to everybody in Knoxville and challenging them to get into these other courses and things. But I joined a mastermind just for Rhea owners because other people have figured out how to make this work. 
When I was a new investor, I hired a coach to help me figure out how to make this work. When I started coaching, I hired a coach to teach me how to coach. When I wanted to do webinars, I hired a coach to teach me how to do webinars. I have the Nocturia now. I hired a coach to teach me how to do this. Like, There's no shame in hiring somebody and paying them so that you can fast forward, so that you can skip some mistakes, so you don't have to learn all the lessons you can just learn a few of them and maybe they won't hurt as bad. But like, yeah. I mean, Tiger Woods has four coaches. Jo uh, Michael Jordan had 18 different coaches. Yeah. Everybody has a coach. You don't see a single Olympic athlete making it to the gold medal without a coach or six. And it doesn't just stop because you graduated high school or you graduated college or you got your real estate license. Everybody needs a coach. Every coach has a coach. And I'm in two different masterminds right now because – I need some help. I can't see the whole staircase, but I hire people that have been to the top of this one and can say, step there, watch that landmine there, skip that, double down on that. You need a coach. And yeah. paying for somebody's time, effort, and energy, totally worth it. Oh my gosh. There's always another level. And if you are willing to invest in yourself and you know, play full out and do anything it takes, you know what, that's when you can timeline hop. You can turn decades into days and you can avoid some of the more costly and annoying challenges. I mean, I don't know about you, but. People say, oh, well, after I do my deal or two, then I'll have the money to pay you. Really? How long is that going to take you? But if you get with me, you could do it in six weeks. I mean, all results are, you know, <laughs> not typical, but you know, like I can actually help you so that you can, it can click through a lot faster and we can get this done. Mm-hmm. Whitney, speaking of learning and speaking of growing as a person and, and growing or dying and, and, and the more that you learn, the more you realize you don't know, is there anything that you've learned recently that's really made you change your mind on something significantly? I'm just, out of, just curious. This is a question that I sometimes go to, but I'm just curious if there's been anything for you. I learned last week that if it's too good to be true, it's probably not going to be amazing. And I, I signed a contract and I got into a business relationship with somebody and they were promising the stars and the moon and turned out I was going to have a lot of things that I was going to have to do to get to the stars and moon that they didn't tell me in the beginning. And I buy houses. Okay. I spend a hundred thousand dollars on a Wednesday, just going out and buying houses like it's whatever, you know, you kind of lose sight of money sometimes when you're buying houses, like on a regular basis, like most women buy shoes. It's just, you know, it's hundred grand, it's 150. It's like, whatever, I'll figure it out, you know? So I was in this deal with somebody and the contract we had was like four pages. It was super vague and it wasn't working out and they had stacked the contract in four pages full of get out of jail free cards for them, but nothing for me. And I honestly had an emergency call with my coach and said, Hey, I got this deal. It's not working. I need help. And he spent two hours the other day helping me work through it and troubleshoot it. But at the end of the day, he was saying, why didn't you know better? And I was thinking, well, you know, I wanted to believe them. But sometimes when it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. So the lesson there is to make sure that you trust but verify or what's, what was the takeaway? Um, 
everything isn't unicorns and rainbows. And it's going to take some work and some time and effort on everybody's part for these things to happen. When people join First Little and Fast, I make go no guarantees because I don't know how hard they're going to work. I know it works if you work it. But in this case, I was ignoring my responsibility in this relationship. And it takes a long time for you to realize, especially as a millennial, <laughs> that everything isn't just going to be handed to you and you're going to have to work it and you have to take a lot of responsibility. And especially if you sign something or your team agrees to do something, it's a direct reflection back onto you because it's your business. It's your company. It's your deal. And one thing that happened is, you know, I bought the Nocturia and I was super excited to go play with my new toy. And I thought I'd just hand my others over to somebody else and they'd keep it going because they would care about it as much as I did if I paid them. That's not true. You have to keep all those plates spinning yourself. For sure. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Yeah, that's a tough one that many business owners have learned the hard way is that, you know, delegation, obviously, you, to grow, you need to delegate, but you still, I mean, I don't know about you, but the more that I scale my real estate business, I recognize that I still have to inspect what I expect and I still have to be involved and I still have to be an asset manager, whether it's, you know, running meetings, whether it's understanding the numbers, whether it's keeping people accountable, whether it's communicating the vision. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many different factors there, but you know, I want one thing that I want to mention is that a lot of people say, Hey, I want passive income. And yes, of course, don't we all at the end of the day, no matter what, type of real estate you're doing, it's not passive. It's going to be active in some capacity. Would you agree? You have to work it even as a private money lender. Like it took me six years to become a private money lender, but I still needed to inspect the property. I needed to know who I was loaning my money to. I needed to know that it was all, the risk was all on me. And if I didn't want to ever deal with it or see it, then that was just more risk. And people tell me all the time that they want to do uh, vacation rentals and they want to do property management and they want to do lease options and they want to do owner financing and they want to wholesale and they want to do this and they want to do that and I'm thinking okay but I need you to master one at a time I need you to get really good at one so that you can branch out and add on more because if you say you're going to do all of this you end up doing nothing and then you're upset with yourself and then you can't manage it you can't maintain it a frog dropped in boiling water will jump back out and you will too. If you jump in and it's too hot, you'll get back out. You'll go back to what's comfortable. But if you bring a frog up to a bull slowly, you know, I don't want to say you're going to just die in the pot, but you'll be able to handle it more. So in the beginning, when I left my trucking company, if you told me I'd be running nine companies, I would have jumped back to my mom's because it was comfortable and safe. It would have been too hot. But I got in it and I stacked it like a good lasagna. One layer at a time, one different deal at a time, one problem at a time. And now I can handle a lot more than I could handle last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much value in learning as you grow and then growing, stretching yourself, raising the bar, you know, to the next level and becoming more, 
putting yourself into an uncomfortable position is how you grow more, but not getting ahead of your skis. I also think you really got to recognize, you know what? This is a really good space. I really wanted to be here and I can be here and I don't need to stack it anymore up around. I can just focus on what I have and make it better too. And I had to learn that the hard way yeah. too is saying, okay, I've taken on too much. And as a woman, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I think a lot of women are recovering people pleasers. We want everybody to like us. We want to do right by everybody. And, you know, men feel that way too. I just, I've never been a man, so I don't, I can't speak to that. Yeah. But women tell me that they want to handle everything. And yes, I can do it. If you want something done, give it to a busy woman. But at some point you got to say, no, I'm not taking on anything else. I'm not doing anything else. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make it amazing. What are you most excited about these days? What are you working towards? What's a big goal that you're excited about? You know, I have started doing live virtual events. I used to hold an event in person every other month. And this month I've done two live events virtually and I am loving them. I was afraid that if I wasn't with people, they wouldn't be able to feel the love. They wouldn't feel the princess treatment. They wouldn't feel connected. They'd get distracted, you know, whatever. But I did a three-day event earlier this month and I'm doing a two-day event right now, actually. We did one event today and we're doing the follow-up tomorrow and I am loving it. I'm super excited about it. I'm thinking about doing virtual events every single month, either a one-day event, a two-day event, a three-day event, see where, you know, my rhythm really is and see what it takes to make sure everybody feels like they got the full Whitney experience. Um, but it, you know, event planning is a whole different career that I didn't sign up for as a real estate investor. <laughs> I didn't even sign up for that as a real estate coach, but it kind of comes with it. And I'm really, really loving virtual events. That's awesome. I love that. And I, I love that how you can actually pivot and step into something that maybe serves your outcome better than maybe being an event planner, so to speak. Uh, so that's exciting. What's the, what would you say the overall driving force is behind what you do? So I help women. I help women get their first deal done fast and I'm super passionate about it. Where I am and everything I believe comes from being a Proverbs 31 woman. And Proverbs 31, 16 says, she goes to inspect a field and she buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. And to me, that says the whole thing. A Proverbs 31 woman is a real estate investor. She goes out, she knows what she's looking at. She can negotiate her on, on her own. She doesn't have to go ask anybody for money or permission. And then she can plant her seeds and grow generational wealth right there by herself. And, you know, if you read on through Proverbs 31, it also says that she has things for her, her girls to do. She reaches out to the needy. She uh, helps other women get established on their own. And to be a Proverbs 31 woman, I have a lot of things that I need to do, right? So I help women get their first deal done fast. I help them become a real estate investor. I hire women. My team is all girls. My vibe is all about women and it comes from when I was coaching I would look around in these seminars and there's a hundred people in there and there's seven chicks and a couple of them are there just to be a supportive spouse a couple of them are there and they're just absolute ball busters and I don't really want to hang out with you <laughs> but then there's a couple of them there that I could hang with I could chill with and I really thought 
you know, I didn't see it in the beginning, but I always kind of knew that there had to be other girls that wanted to hang out, be girly, be moms, be good wives, but also do one deal a month. We don't want to kill it. We don't want to, you know, hit a home run. We just want to steady add money. We want to steady help people. We want to get ourselves out of a situation, but we don't want to drop our jobs to go do it. We don't want to be a full-time wholesaler. We just want to add passive income, do one deal at a time and help other people. And that gets me up every single morning because I know there are women out there suffering and dying in guru boot camps and they're not being tended to the way we want to be loved on and respected and talked to and encouraged. And sometimes you need a kick in your skirt to go out there and get it done. Sometimes you need somebody to cry on when you're in the kitchen floor having a complete meltdown. I respect all of that. And I welcome all of that. I know I cried with my coach in the beginning and he was uncomfortable. He didn't know how to handle it. Dude, when these girls cry with me, I'm like boohooing with them. I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. It's just like farting. You got to let it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That just, that's a first on elevate. I will say first time we talked about farting on elevate. I love it. (laughs) It's true though. And I think women really like hanging out with me and being around me too, because they can say, you know what? She's not that special. And if she can do this, I can too. I love it. That's awesome. Well, it's super inspiring. And I appreciate you sharing that, Whitney. This is this has been a lot of fun. I want to switch gears just a little bit. And we're going to go into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. As you know, when you enter the rare air, most people give up. Most people say their feet, you know, their feet are hurt, you know, their legs are tired, they can't breathe, whatever. They're not willing to do whatever it takes, but we are willing to do whatever it takes. We're willing to raise the bar. We're willing to step into discomfort continually. So i uh, got a few questions here for you. First of which, what would you say are the top two or three most impactful books that you've ever read? Oh, I have them right here. It's Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz, and I've got them absolutely right here. All right, YouTubers, you can see these Pumpkin Plan and Profit First here. Love it. Uh, Same author. He's got a couple other books, but he's fantastic. He really explains business and accounting in a way that I can get, okay? Like, I have a college degree, but I'm not like – super serious. I'm, I'm just not. And so he, he speaks my language and he puts it into things I can understand. So I love those books. I also really love, um, the other guy, Donald Miller's story brand. I just got mm-hmm. his new book today. I can't wait to read it. Uh, some other books. Oh, the one minute millionaire is like mm-hmm. two books in one fantastic real estate book and mindset book. Absolutely loved it. So yeah, we'll go with those. I love it. I'm taking notes here because we got to always got to be learning, always growing. You're either growing or dying and books are definitely my, my addiction. So uh, we'll definitely put links in the show notes here. I know too. uh, The summit book, Pat summit wrote a book to the summit, Mm. top of the summit, something about the summit. And I listened to it on audible and it was amazing. And just to see where she came from to, I mean, here in Knoxville, Pat summit hung the moon. If Dolly Parton didn't do it, Pat Summit did. (laughs) But to hear her real story in her voice, oh my gosh, amazing. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. We'll put links in the show notes to all these books here. So I appreciate you sharing that, Whitney. Uh, aside from our discussion today, what would you say the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis would be? I listen to positive affirmations on YouTube every morning. I've got one that I just absolutely adore. My husband kind of makes fun of him because I listen to him every morning. But I just love this voice. And um, uh, it's positive affirmations grow, grow wealthy or growing wealth, or I don't know. I just listen. I don't know what it is. It's auto saved on my YouTube, mm-hmm. but I think positive affirmations really help. I believe in vision boards and collecting those magazines all year long so that you can go through and make your vision board. And this year was the first time I made like a personal life vision board, a business life vision board. And I just became a first time home buyer for the first time, obviously uh, in February. And I did everything all wrong. I did all sorts of real estate investing before I bought my first house. But I made a vision board for my dream house that I bought in February. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. I haven't heard that uh, listening to positive affirmations. That's a good one too. Just looking it up on YouTube, it's all available to you at your fingertips. So how much do you want it? How much uh, do you want to plant those thoughts and those seeds into your mind that will grow? You know, are you guarding the gates of your mind? Because there's other affirmations that may not be positive. So be aware of what's going in there. That's a super important tip too, because we all have bad things that we say to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else, but we say it to ourselves, and it's weird. But Another cool thing is I quit listening to the radio a long, long time ago and I don't watch the news. I really enjoy driving without any distractions, like no phone, no radio, no nothing, just quiet because how often are we quiet with ourselves? And a lot of the questions that you're worried about, you're struggling with, you got the answer. You just won't shut up long enough to let your brain give it to you. You can't listen to your heart long enough to say, yes, this is the right thing or no, quit doing this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give yourself some time to think. That's a good it's, one. It's like uh, they make the joke all the time that a woman's brain is like having 15 tabs open on a computer. And I don't know where this music is coming from, but if you'll just stop opening tabs, <laughs> you yeah. can get back to quiet. Mm-hmm. I love it. Outside of what we've talked about today, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? You know, I have a podcast too. And so I do this all the time and people listen and I hope they get something out of it. I do a ton of Facebook lives like every day pretty much is my goal for at least one Facebook live somewhere. And I really try to encourage everybody to get out there and keep going. And, you know, I tell everybody too, it's not unicorns and rainbows. And when I'm having a crap day, I tell them not everything. I don't want all my laundry out there, but I'll tell them today is not a good day. Yeah. And after it fixes itself in three months, I'll tell y'all what happened today. (laughs) That's good. That's really good. I think authenticity is so important and we're humans, right? Come on. We're not perfect. I don't know about you, but the more real that I've gotten, the more that I feel like I've connected with people. And that's uh, that's what we all want. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Whitney, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation other than what you've already shared? I just want to say keep going, good, bad, or different. Just one step in the right direction every single day, even if it's a small step. That's 365 steps. That's 365% improvement in a year. Just keep going, one small step. It could feel like nothing major happened, but if you ordered that list, you took a step. If you made those letters, you took a step. If you put that bandit sign out, you took a step. If you made a post on Facebook that said, hey, y'all, I want to buy houses, you made a step. It doesn't matter how small it is. 
you'll be proud of yourself for the progress you make over a week, a month, and a year. Could not have said it better myself. Whitney, thank you so, so much for being here today. Uh, Tell the listeners how they can learn more about what you do and stay engaged with you and following you along your journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's Whitney Nicely on Facebook. You can send me a friend request or she buys it. She goes to inspect a field and she buys it on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, all those places. We got the She Buys It podcast. Uh, It's She Buys It everywhere. Love it. We will put links uh, to how you can engage with Whitney in the show notes here. But I encourage you to re-listen to the show. And, you know, because as I always say, repetition is the mother of all skills. So listen again, take notes. And I would distill this to your top three takeaways. What are three things that you can take action on immediately uh, today, you know, or tomorrow or this week? Schedule it, put it in your calendar because what gets scheduled actually happens. I don't know about you, but that's the case for me. And if I don't do that, then it does not happen. So take notes, write it down, share this with someone else, because really that's who learns the most is the teacher. The teacher is who learns the most. So take a screenshot of this episode episode, and post it on your social media, tag Whitney, tag myself, tag Elevate Podcast, tag your friend who you want to teach this to and pay it forward because look, there's somebody else who needs this information. There's somebody else who needs to know that you don't just have to tolerate your life. So there's so much opportunities out there. There's so much abundance. And again, Whitney, really, really appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks, Tyler. It was great. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.